Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. All right, everybody, we are back with Going There. We're so excited that you're listening today. Samantha and I are thrilled to be doing our first interview podcast. And today we are talking to Sierra. Welcome, Sierra. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, Yeah, we're so excited to have you here. So we know a little bit about each other, but we've just like recently met and we know a bit about like what you're up to. But why don't you tell us all what does life look like for you right now? And what are you up to? Yeah, so life right now, I live in Phoenix, Arizona, but I come back here to Columbia every so often because my family's still here. But what I've been doing is mainly photography and videography, so I've gotten to travel a bit with that. And then also, I have my sustainable swimwear line, Amini, that has been growing. Repping like, the sweatshirt. Yes, the sweatshirt. there you go. I want that yeah, <laughs> but so yesterday, two days ago, it was like the one-year anniversary of that. So that's a so baby. Fun. It's brand new, but it's been really fun. And that's kind of like the two main things that I've been up to. How did you get, I guess, like, I hate to say the word, like, the bravery or the courage to step out and, like, create a swimwear line, or how did that come about? So that came about just because I'm stubborn, (laughs) and normally, so when I travel, I will reach out to brands and shoot stuff for them just as a way to pay for the trips, and a friend and I were going to Thailand, and I was like, let's reach out to swimwear brands, because we did whenever we went to Vietnam, and we just, she models, I take the pictures, and we get it paid for, and so this time when I reached out, no one answered me, and I got offended <laughs> and so I just was like okay that's fine like I'll just make my own and so yeah it was kind of out of spite but also I knew I wanted it to be sustainable and I knew I wanted it to be ethical so yeah those two things are important to me and then on top of that like my faith is important to me so we tithe 10% to whatever organization we choose for the month so there's cool stuff behind that's it awesome. even yeah. though it came from a place of yeah. No. Frustration. No, that's so cool. Okay, so I didn't know that about your swimwear line that you donate 10%. So tell us a little bit more about that. What are some of those organizations? Yeah, so we've donated to like Child Rescue Coalition, Food for the Hungry, which feeds kids and gives them access to schooling. And Kenya is the place that oh, I awesome. work with. And then there's other ones too. Like around Christmas time, we did places that feed families. And there's just... Yeah, we've done a few different things, but it was important to me because I know that like any money we make like isn't actually ours. It's God's giving it to us to do with and spread his kingdom like as we can. That's Mm, cool. That's awesome. What does the name mean? Amini means believe, but it's in Swahili. Like I said, Kenya is important to me. I've spent time there and my business partner, Aubrey, she also her family like not adopted, but kind of like housed a couple of kids from Uganda. And so they spoke Swahili. So that language was just like a cool way to integrate what's important to us. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. That's so cool. Well, that's we love what you're doing with all of that. But tell us a little bit over the last few years, what your faith has looked like and kind of the journey you've been on with that. Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home and we were like homeschooled. Like we're the ultimate sheltered Christian kids. And I mean, that how many in siblings the best do you way. have? I have seven siblings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that thanks mom and dad. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so I grew up, went through all through middle school being homeschooled and then went to high school. But obviously I was still under my parents' roof and their rules still apply. And I just thought I was naturally just such a goody two shoes. Like I didn't drink. I didn't even want to go to parties. Like I would get invited and not go. Like I just had no interest in any of that. 
So I thought my faith was my own. And then all of a sudden, when I get to college and I'm out living with like teammates or whoever and spending time not in my house with my parents and not getting that same guidance, my decision making tanked a little bit. And I never, I don't think I ever, it was a thing where I walked away from my faith. It was just a thing where I didn't know who I was. I didn't really believe, I guess, what God said to be true about me. And so I just didn't walk that set apart life like that. And so it was a very short lived. I think part of my freshman year, like I got into like the going out scene and just hanging around the wrong people. And again, like that's not their fault for my decision making. That's like all on me. But I just think that it was accumulation of being very sheltered. So thinking that my faith was my own when it wasn't and not having gone through that discovery process of what do I actually believe and like studying that for myself instead Mm -hmm. of just having it handed down to me. And then also the company you keep is so important and just learning that. My parents always said that growing up, but they also like kind of controlled who I was around. So it was, but then in college, like you make your own decisions, you're around who you want to be around. And yeah, I just, I walked through a period of life where i wasn't making decisions that I feel like I was called to. And I kind of reached a point where I just realized how empty that was and how unfulfilled I was and just like going to bed, like kind of ashamed. And I know that that's never a feeling that's from God. That's just a feeling that the enemy uses to make us, you know, doubt ourselves and kind of spiral. But it was just where I was at. So I moved home. I think it was for, I don't really remember the exact timeline. It was part of my freshman year. I moved back home and then sophomore year, I was living with some girls that I'm still best friends with. One of them was my sister and they're just so on fire for the Lord, like walking out their faith and just seeing that example and seeing them also like be able to have fun in that. It just, it changed everything for me. And I went through a whole process of I think now my faith is my own and it's a constant growth journey. It's not linear. It's not all of a sudden I'm at this place where I believe in God and I I never mess up and I am perfect. It's a constant daily like battle. I think it is for everyone, but it's definitely, I know who I am. I know who God says I am and that's where I'm at. So that's amazing. So good. I feel like two things from that. First of all, I think a lot of people can relate to kind of that. Like if you grew up with a basis of faith, there really does have to be this time, whether it looks like, I know for me, and I think for Christian too, it did kind of look like I thought I was being really wild <laughs> in the green scheme of things. I wasn't, but I mean, yeah, like that was what it looked like for me, but maybe for some people, it's just like doubting their faith or really just having to like figure that out whatever way that you have to, but you do kind of have to have that moment. Sometimes I even like, not envy, but kind of think it's cool when people learn about their faith, maybe for the first time as an adult, because you're really able to just like take that in and figure it out on your own. And then another thing I think you said, which honestly can carry into, you know, Christian and I are in our later 20s. It's like, it still matters who we surround ourselves with. Like the people that we're around constantly are the people that are going to inspire, like what we're thinking about, how we're choosing to make decisions, how we're choosing to live. So I think there's a lot of good wisdom in everything that you just said and a part of your story. And I think we all have a story that relates to that in some way. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, I can relate to that too. My dad was a pastor growing up. And so I for sure like rode that. And I do think that's so true. Some people's, you know, time of figuring that out looks like rebellion maybe, but sometimes it just looks like also just figuring out like, you know, if that's doubt or just like feeling unfulfilled or feeling like lost and like, what do I really believe or what am I really thinking about these things? But that's like so good. I mean, I think you're obviously talking now kind of like on the other side of like figuring all of that out, but like bring us back to like, what was that? So you're here in your freshman year of college and you talk about like going to bed at night and just feeling like unfulfilled, but like walk us through like, what did that feel like? 
did you have anyone calling you out in that? Did you have anyone like speaking truth or like what that feel yeah. like or look like for you? I think first I want to like make the difference. I think like my actions may have looked like rebellion, like you were saying, but I think it more came from a place of like people pleasing and really like needing love and affirmation from people not like fully receiving that from God because you just don't believe what he says about you to be true. And so I think in the way of like, yes, I had people calling me out. It was like my parents, my siblings. I live in Columbia, Missouri, where there's not a ton of people. And so my business becomes my whole family's business. And so when I have six younger siblings looking up to me and catching wind of whatever, like that's defeating. Mm -hmm. And so I I had my parents, I had my family and just speaking life into me, speaking truth into me and reminding me who God says I am. And then also just that feeling that you don't want to feel at night when you're upset and you're like, I've made these decisions and I know that's not me. I know that's not who I'm called to be. And for some reason, like I keep making them and just really sitting there and separating yourself and feeling those feelings and realizing that, okay, so I've been striving every day to do better and I'm kind of messing up. So my striving and my will to be better and do better, like, well, it kind of makes you realize it's not about you. It's not about what you do. It's about surrender and just searching for Jesus and clinging to him and letting him hold your hand and walk you through those times. Because even now on like you said, I'm on the other side of figuring that out. I still am far from perfect. I still make decisions that are more world based versus like kingdom based. And that's obviously still not who I'm called to be. And I just think it's a constant surrender and like holding his hand and letting him walk you through those times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love what you said there because, like, even in that, you're saying, you know, I was trying to do it by myself and I was trying to strive for all these things to like help myself in my own life to be happy and to be fulfilled and to be all these things. And ultimately, like, I was failing every day. And I think that is just like so true of the Christian walk that, like, we are finite people. We like can't do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of surrender to say, like, no, Jesus, like, I need you. Like, I can't do this on my own. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting how it carries through to like Christian and I are now moms. And so I see that a lot in motherhood and being a parent and in our job, like just all the different things that we can continue to do that with. It might not look like for me, you know, it was my rebellion and partying or whatever. It doesn't look like that necessarily, but there's so many, sometimes even like worse things that I can find my identity in and like try to get that from. And so I like how you said it is still a constant battle of like pulling yourself back to remember that truth because like we were saying, it doesn't just go away. Like for the rest of our lives, we will constantly having to be like preaching the gospel back to ourselves and reminding us of, yeah, like what our purpose is and who we're living our life for. Yeah. And I think it's like, that's just part of being people with an eternal soul that are on earth. You know what I mean? Like we're in this broken world. And so there's going to be that constant push and pull or flux and flow of feeling really close to Jesus and like walking hand in hand with him. And then like, oh, shoot, I made this decision. And now I kind of separate myself and it doesn't go away with age. It's like <laughs> it just it, it gets harder because you learn more, you see more. And yeah, it's constant on your instagram you talk about this idea of like happiness and if happiness is like tied to like your current situation or people in your life then like that's not actually true happiness tell us more about that how did you come to that idea like what are your thoughts around that so that's a topic that like i've sat with for a while and i've thought a lot about and i think one big thing is there's a difference to me between happiness and joy. Happiness is like the instant gratification, like this happened. So it's a cause and effect. Like this happened, so it made me happy. Joy to me is like a deep peace and like a lasting happiness regardless of circumstance and regardless of how things in your life are going. Like it's untied to anything external. So if my happiness is coming from things that the world 
and social media and society deem as important. Like if I get more money, I'll be happier. If I have a better relationship, I'll be happier. If my career is taking off, I'll be happier. Well, all those things can fail you. You can lose your job. You can go bankrupt. You can have your money stolen. Yeah. <laughs> you can, yeah. people are always going to fail you because we're all broken. And so if your happiness is tied to these things that you have actually no control over, then in an instant and they crumble, then you're, then you're not happy anymore. And so that's what I mean by if my happiness or I guess my joy is tied to those things and it's not really real. Yeah. It's all based on kind of an illusion of this security that we think we have in those things. And yeah. so to me, finding that joy, it has to be tied to something that is firm, something unshakable. And for me, that's Jesus and who he says I am, the sacrifice that he's given, the forgiveness he's given. And so the world can go like this. My circumstances can go up and down. And if my true identity is tied to Jesus, then that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. we can wrap it up. That's yeah, <laughs> that's so good. That's the key to life. I mean, we do hear about contentment a lot, but I love how you kind of talk about it in that way of the happiness versus joy. And I think, like we're saying, we're all sitting here saying like, yes, we all believe that and we want that to be true of our daily lives, but it is so much harder to live out. I mean, it's easy for us to sit here and talk about it on these couches, but to like go out into the world and live that way and remind ourselves of that when things do feel like they're shaking all around us is a lot harder. So like, what are some daily things that you feel like you do to kind of remind yourself of that? Yes. So a phrase that's been very important to me that I heard a little while back is that the more time you spend with truth, the easier it is to spot a lie. And I just, anytime I'm feeling the lie of like instant gratification versus truth, I'm going to go back to truth. I'm not going to go for the things that society says is important. Society says will make me happy because if I'm diving into the truth with God's word, with prayer, with people that are speaking life into me, then I can spot those lies pretty easily. I know that they won't fulfill me. And when we were growing up, our dad would always sit us down and tell us this analogy. He would say, okay, so you guys know what counterfeit money is. It's like yeah, fake yeah, money, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> fake money yeah. that people pr- try to pass off as the real thing. And he's like, there's people that are trained to spot that, to be able to spot counterfeit money. And he's like, the way that they are trained isn't, they don't sit down, look at the real money, look at the fake money, spot the differences, be like, feel the differences. They don't, they don't even look at the fake thing at all. They are trained by spending so much time with real money, being blindfolded and feeling it and smelling it and feeling the weight. And yeah. they just become so familiar with the truth that anytime counterfeit money is brought in front of them, they can spot it like that. They can that's spot cool. the lie that's crazy. instantly. Yeah, that's and cool. I, like that I just analogy. think that that's so true of life. Yeah. The more time you spend with truth, the easier it's going to be for you to know when lies are speaking to you in deceit and distraction. Yeah, I really like that because I do think as Christians, we're always kind of told like, okay, you need to be reading your Bible every day. And it really goes deeper, I think, sometimes than just like doing the thing that we're told of like, well, why is that so important? Yeah. And when you think about things like that, it's like, if I am filling my mind and filling my heart and soul with truth, then I'm going to crave more truth. And I'm going to look out at the world and see the untruths that are like being thrown at me. Because I mean, we just had an episode about these quotes and these like good sounding mantras in our life that are constantly filling our social media feeds or honestly just being like given to us 
told to us as like advice from friends. And so we really do have to have like God's word be a filter for everything that comes in and out of our life. So I love that you've seen that and realized that. Yeah. I mean, we're surrounded by a culture that promotes busyness or like distraction. Like our phones are pinging left and right. Now we have watches like attached to us that are pinging all the time. Like we're always distracted. We're always surrounded by pictures of things that seem like they have value that deep down we know if I chase that, it's actually not going to make me much happier. It's not going to change my life that much. But it feels like it's going to. And honestly, for a moment, sometimes like you do feel that, but it wears off so quickly. And and that's like, that's the difference, like full circle back to joy versus happiness. Like, yeah, you can feel a spike of whatever. I'm just going to try to sound like scientific. <laughs> whatever, like uh, endorphin endorphins. Yeah, yeah. But, but that fades. Those yeah. endorphins yeah. fade. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're left with like, what am I clinging to? What yeah. is the real truth? Yeah. Another thing you kind of have talked about that relates to this is just like falling in love with life right where you are and finding that kind of like in the moment. So how did you get to thinking about life like that? And then kind of what are some practical ways like going off that last question that you lived that out? Yeah. So that was another like topic that I just think is so important because I think in life we can so easily romanticize the past and like long for the past and the nostalgia, all the good things that came with it. Or we can romanticize the future and dream really big and hope for this next promotion, hope for this next, like once I get there, I'll be happy. But I think we have a hard time sitting in the present and romanticizing the present. It's like, well, if I can do that with the past and I can do that with the future, why can't I do that with right now and look at where God has me right now and what purpose he has for me in this phase of my life, in this moment. And I think I just always say to myself, like, romanticize the now, romanticize the present. And yeah, I just think, I think that's kind of a key to life. We can get so sped up or we can get so bogged down with things we wish we could change or things we wish we could relive and just fully soaking in the present and knowing that like you're here for a purpose like in this moment. And again, isn't that so true? Like we are such just like short-minded people or like short-term memory people that like that's so easy to forget. Like it's easy for me to forget that like when I wake up in the morning, I should be excited to like have another day like with my husband and with my kids. And like even though my kids are like whining and crying and like throwing themselves on the floor as toddlers, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for them to be like 10 years old. So I don't have to deal with this. I'm like, no, like I will like, I'm like literally wishing these moments away that like are ordained by Christ that he's like, no, I have purpose for you in today. Why are you wishing things like used to be how they were or whatever that may look like? I think we could do that with anything like friendships. I could do that with my marriage. I could do that with my job. I could do that. I mean like anything. And so that's where I think it goes back to also like, how are we reminding ourselves daily that like we do have a larger purpose in our like daily life and you know, I think that obviously goes back to like pointing back to Jesus and having time with him every single day to like ground ourselves of like what our purpose is that day. I think a great way of, like you said, the little reminders is reminding yourself that anything you do can be praised. Anything you do can be worship. You can be washing the dishes with like a cheerful spirit and like the people that you encounter on a daily basis, like that you smile at, whatever you can, anything can be praised if you're just appreciating it and appreciating that God has you in that moment and like worshiping him for where he has you. And so just realizing that if I'm passing all these moments that I could be praising God and just like wishing them away, that's literally time. You're never going to be that young again. Yeah. You're never going to get that time yeah. back. And yeah. it's yeah. just, yeah, you don't want to waste that. That's no. awesome. I will say that about you. You have a very like joyful spirit oh, about yeah. you. Like, I mean, you. I've only been around you like a few times now, but even every time. And it's not even like outwardly like, oh my gosh, this is like the best day ever. It's not like that. It's like, yeah. I feel like you're a very like joy filled person. And so Thank that's you. where I think the cool thing about that is, is like, 
you obviously have something that looks different than like most people in this world, you know? And so I think people can see that in people who have like a hope or a joy greater than like what their circumstances are serving them that day. Yeah. And that's really cool. Thank you. That means yeah. a lot. I, yeah. I think sometimes in this world, like that can be a little hard though, because there's, there's so much going on, especially right now, like with the black lives matter movement with COVID with whatever to where it's like, some people take it as insensitive to be joyful throughout all that. Like we're all supposed to be mourning and we're all supposed to be sad and like, yes, feel that and be that. But none of us are supposed to live life just constantly sad. Like there has to be that deeper joy, that firm thing that you're clinging to. And I don't know, that's what I hope to be just like someone that people see that difference in. But that's amazing because the truth is that there is always going to be hard things that come at us in life. And if you're someone who believes different, then I don't know, either you're really lucky or, you know, you haven't walked through hardship yet, maybe, but there are always things. And so, you know, for me, part of my story is like a really late term, like pregnancy loss and a lot of infertility. And so I think I remember talking with people about like holding that like joy and sorrow at the same time in same place. And it, it does almost feel weird to still have like moments that I was laughing with my husband as we were like deep in grief. But I do think that is like the beauty of how God created it to be that we're humans that can feel those two emotions and we're supposed to actually wrestle back and forth with that. And I think realizing that is so valuable and just so wise, because like you said, it almost gives you this strength from God to realize that like anything we walk through in life, we know that we can overcome that in a way of like, we have him first of all to lean on. And we also can still find like the good in really, really hard situations. And so you're right. The world does kind of tell us right now that like everything sucks, everything's hopeless. And I think as Christian women, we really do have to kind of like step beyond that and say like, yeah, it does. There's hard things. Let's like grieve and be sad for those things. But like, how can we also find joy and like bring hope into the situation? I think it was like an aha moment for me and like my walk with Christ, like specifically Samantha, like walking that was like pretty early on in our friendship that we were walking through like your infertility stuff. And then I had multiple other friends also like having miscarriages around that time or just like really hard things. You know, at the time I was in my young 20s or like mid 20s. And I just felt like all my friends like we had started actually like doing life, not that obviously hard things can happen anytime. But it was the first time all of us were like really kind of facing some like real world, like hard life things. And I remember calling my mom and I was just like, gosh, mom, like, what does it look like to be joyful when like so much sadness is around me? Like, it's hard for me to wake up every day. And I feel like I'm talking to like, I'm texting four different friends going through really hard things. Like, how am I supposed to be like joy filled? How am I supposed to just be like, this life is great. God is so good. Like he is good. And I know that, but like, it's really hard to like have a posture of that. And so how do I do that? And I remember being like, I have to cling to him. Like I have to cling Again, like you said, Sierra, like about the truth, because like if I don't know that truth, I can't be spotting these lies that the world is telling me like, no, but you should be like mad at God or he can't really be that good because like look at all these hard things. That would be easy for me to believe with all of my circumstances that I'm seeing and involved with. But because again, not perfectly at all, but because I'm like pursuing him and in his word every day, I then have truth to say like, no, that's a lie this is the truth. Like he does cherish you. He does love you. He has good things in store for you. Like all of those things because they are true, but like it takes daily reminders, you know, and that's so hard. Yes. Don't you feel that walking through that though has strengthened your belief in God and Jesus that like he has all good for you. And I feel like that's why in the scripture it says count all joy, count all these trials as joy. And even though they suck in the moment, there's always that like hindsight of like, wait, this made me like lean on him so much harder. Now I know what it means to surrender because there was nothing I could do. There was, and I just think 
sometimes it's really hard to understand those scriptures out of context until you walk through something like that and know, okay, this is why I'm supposed to count And again, he's called us to live in this like both and world that like we are supposed to live in this world and like engage with people of this world and do the best we can in this world. But also we like hope for a future. And so that does like, that's a different calling as Christians that like we hope for an eternal glory that like is to come when all things are made new. And so I do think it is kind of like that. I remember a conversation with you and you were like holding out your hands and you're like, I'm grieving, but like, I'm also like, okay, because I know like God has me and it is the weirdest thing. Like you said, like to yeah. laugh and grief, yeah. obviously you're not laughing about your right. circumstances, but you're like, but I can't no, sometimes hope. I was, I was like, really? <laughs> you're like another, really? Another? Okay. But yeah. like, but we can have a joy and hope because ultimately that is what we're promised. But like, that's so hard. It is really hard. And that's actually one of my favorite verses because sometimes I feel like when people are really resistant or just like so fearful of anything like bad, quote unquote, like happening in their lives, it's like, yeah, but like how are we then to grow? Like how are we pushed out of our comfort zone? Like how are you being open hearted to like, okay, God, I truly want whatever you have for me. And that's a really scary prayer because a lot of times that means Mm -hmm. the complete opposite from what we want in our lives. But I think that's also a freeing place to be in your faith and just in life as a person in general, because you're saying like, I really am going to be obedient, God, to whatever you're calling me to, the good and the bad. But there's so much more goodness on the other side of that. And I think sometimes when we're closed off to being obedient to those harder things, it's like we're really missing out on some great stuff God has for us down the road. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just good to be like reminding ourselves of that because, yeah, it doesn't feel good in the moment. No, it never it's does. Good. Yeah. I mean, even like back to whatever, my freshman year of college, I'm like, yeah, I probably would change some of the things I did if I could. But also at the same time, I walked through those hard things and I felt those hard things. And now I can relate to people that I never could have related to. And I can be like, I've been there. Like, I've been where you've been. And he spins it all. And yeah. I'd call God like the grand weaver because yeah. he just like yeah. weaves it all together. Yeah. So but really. Okay. So obviously, like as we sit here on these couches, it's really easy to think through like, yeah, let's like think of truth and be, you know, immersed in truth. But like as Christian women, how do we like position our lives in this hope? Like how do we remind ourselves every day as we're walking through these really hard things of this truth? What does that like actually look like for some of us? Well, in the Bible, he says, be still and know that I am God. He's not like, be in the rush of life and just remind yourself real quick that I'm God. He he says, be still. I think it's in the quiet times. I think it's when we shut down the distractions and just sit there with God and let him speak to us and speak to him and pour our heart out that we can be reminded of what actually has value. That's where I spend my time with the truth because I think if you're just trying to squeeze it in in the rush of life, it's not the same. You have to have those reset times and it's in the still, it's in the quiet that God meets you because he's not going to scream over the noise of life. He's going to meet you in your soul in those quiet places. And I think when you're there, you can be reminded of the truth. You can feel hope. You can feel his presence and feel his love. And then those things that seem so big and bad and scary in the world, the things that can really just tear you down and make you feel hopeless, don't seem so hopeless anymore. So for me, it's just setting apart time every day. And that's going to look different for everyone. Everyone's schedule is different, but wake up earlier or go to bed later. Like Whenever you have to set that chunk of time to just be still and know that he is God. Ooh, that's convicting for I me. I know. It's so convicting. And like, there <laughs> are different seasons where that has like different, that's like in certain seasons for me, it looked like an hour in the mornings to where now it's more like 20 minutes or even just like, you know, in a busy afternoon when I'm feeling overwhelmed with 
parenting or work or whatever it is to just like be playing worship music instead of listening to like whatever pop culture podcast I'm liking that day or just like drawing myself back to a heart of worship is like weird and cheesy as that sounds. There's so many ways like you were mentioning earlier that we can worship and just like realign our heart and just like practical things like Christian, you always write stuff on your mirror. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I like post things always on my mirror Mm because I'm like, at least if I even don't even read it every day, I'm like, my eyes are going to catch it at some, yes. point, at some point. And I will read it. I do that in my car and on my mirror. Yeah. But like it is, I was even just asking friends the other day to like pray for me because I had recognized that my mind was like wandering to like get my feelings hurt more easily. Or I was just like, I felt like emotional about things. And like, obviously, I don't that could just be like my crazy hormones or yeah. something. But I was like, I feel like really in my head about some stuff. Like, why is this? And I had literally thought about the last two weeks. And I was like, you know, I could make all these excuses of like sick kids and all this stuff. But like, really, I hadn't been like with Jesus in like still moments. I had been like, just like doing my quiet times when I got to work. And for like 10 minutes before I walked in, I was like, you know, checking it off my list there. And I was kind of doing it, like you said, like in the rush of life, like that's not what he's saying. He's saying like, no, be still and spend time with me. And honestly, like I felt that, like I felt the, I felt detached for a couple of weeks, just like, why is my mind doing this? And so it does, I think for me, again, it takes me like reminding myself every single like hour of every day, because I just can quickly forget it. And I can quickly be like, no, I'm good. I don't need that. And so it does look like for me, like, you know, Bible verses on my mirror and Bible verses in my car and like playing worship music with my kids and just choosing to like set up my day in the posture of truth. And so like, I have to do that in the morning because like doing it at night is great, but like, I have to do it in the morning no, or same. else I'm just I like, said night and then I was like, nah, <laughs> yeah. I have to start my day that yeah. way. Yeah. If I start my day listening to like whatever music versus like worship music, I feel the difference throughout the day. I know. It's yeah. like, I don't know, like maybe a couple of days you're not going to notice the biggest difference. But for me, it's like, yeah, I'm setting my heart immediately on worldly things versus like yep. the things that God has for me. So those are good things. You kind of are really immersed in the social media world. You do a lot of like influencer photography and how do you like balance all of that like with what we're talking about yeah honestly it's something i'm still like navigating and figuring out because honestly i run like five different social media accounts i'm like i can be or instagram accounts and i'm like i'm spending way too much time on this when you're on that you're seeing these perfectly curated pictures and you're taking pictures of like these gorgeous like everything that society says you should look like women and it can be hard but it's also like at the end of the day I know for a fact we are all made so uniquely and so uniquely for a purpose. So it's like me wasting my time comparing myself to any of those perfectly curated images, even the ones that I'm taking. It's useless because the way I am, the way I'm wired, the way I look, the way I talk and the way I feel like it's all for whatever purpose God has just for me. And so it's just, again, reminding yourself of that. I love that you're being an influence in that world and that you have that perspective and can be like such a light to so many people online or wherever you are, like Christian was saying, you do radiate this love and positivity. And I think even if people don't look at you and say like, oh, she's a Christian, like I see that immediately, the way that you're able to like love people in that way is just really cool. So I'm excited to see what's coming up for you and what you'll be doing in the future. And we just... Really love this conversation no, with no, you. We're so thankful to be yeah, able to chat with you, you and just learn from you. Yeah, so. thanks for being so vulnerable and chatting with us. Of course, this is a blast. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.